0: to some degree like this is true about human existence like the people Mm -hmm. we lose do like that does impact us the traumas that we experience impact us they make us part of who we are but also we're more than our trauma and i think Mm -hmm. in the world of the last of us like everybody is kind of the sum of the worst things that have ever happened to them and the Mm -hmm. worst things that they've ever done Mm -hmm. as opposed to the other side of that coin Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast, where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. I'm your co-host Jamie, pronouns she, her.
1: And I'm your co-host
0: Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy coming at you with a b-b-b-bonus episode. Surprise! A little little spoiler (laughs) cast that we wanted to do here. Um, But we're still going to start the episode like we do every episode with our Patreon shoutouts. So this is a special thank you that we give to everyone who subscribed at our Patreon. Name in the credits tier for the previous month. In this case, the lovely month of February. And that's a very big thank you to Genevieve, Lindsay, Jackie, Ben, Pimhatai, Adiinka, and See The Mess. Thank you all so much for your continued support Mm -hmm. of the podcast. And remember, if you want to get your name in the credits, you can hop on over to Patreon.com slash Pixel Therapy Pod, where you can subscribe for as little as just $2 a month and get access to our monthly bonus series co-op mode Uh, in our March co-op mode episode. Spencer and I played a fun little game where I tried to rip (laughs) Spencer's heart out of their chest and stomp on it. Literally. Um, It was called Delay Immediate Release or Cancel, and it is essentially... Fuck, Mary Kill, but with upcoming video game titles. So if that sounds fun to you and you want to come <laughs> <laughs> hear me give Spencer a hard time, uh, yeah, come check us out, patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod. If you're a fan of what we do here on Pixel Therapy, please consider sharing us with your friends and family, rating and reviewing us on the old Apple Podcasts, or even writing into the show by emailing us at pixeltherapypod at com. We'd love to hear from you, however you want to reach out. Enough of that, Spencer. It's time (laughs) to get cozy, to pull up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch. Let's talk about our feelings. How are you (laughs) today?
1: I'm good. Dunkin' Donuts has tricked me into paying Uh like an extra dollar for the same (laughs) drink, but instead of a latte where they mix the espresso in the milk... I'm now obsessed with the concept of a macchiato where the mm. milk is on the bottom and the coffee is on the top. And it's a nice mm. ombre gradient from coffee to milk. It's very pretty, very pretty looking. Yeah. And it's just got me. Like, I'm like, you know what? I do need this. Uh, I about that coffee and milk can't have can't have it all together at once. I I like it gradually to, to co-mingle. <laughs> I love that for you. So I'm drinking one of those. <laughs> One of those wallet strippers right now. Um, <laughs> what else is good? We got two feet of snow, and I'm still drinking iced coffee, so I must be a New Englander. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: the sign right
1: there. That's the sign. Yeah, we uh we got hit pretty hard. It's mid March, but I guess that's as good a time as any for two feet of snow. Um, but we made it. We uh we lost power for about half a day. Um, but we, you know. We had plenty Putting of that generator to the test. And the generator, <laughs> yep. They, provisions. Yeah. They worked hard. And and we're proud of we're proud of them. My my generator is non-binary. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, and yeah, things are good. How are you?
0: I <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good. I mean, it's like uh, we live in the same state, and yet I feel sometimes like I live. On a different continent because Seriously. we got almost no snow compared to the couple of feet that you got dumped with. Um, and it was the bit that we did have was gone in the course of a morning. It mm-hmm. was like the dogs went out first thing in the morning to the bathroom and, oh, look, there's snow on the ground. It's so pretty. And then like at yeah. lunchtime, I went to let them out again. It was like, oh, it's just a wet, soggy yard. Cool. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. So that was kind of depressing. I'm like, you're like, please, no more snow. And I'm like, yeah. maybe just one snow. would be nice magic? to have one pristine, like one week of just snow on the ground. But yeah. yeah, it's really been really been light for us over here on the opposite side of the state. Mm. Um, in terms of me and how I'm doing, this week's been pretty good. Uh, pretty chill. I've been on an anime kick lately. And picked, started watching this, uh, well, show that's new to me uh, called Kaguya Sama Love is War, (laughs) uh, which is a romantic comedy anime about uh, these two high school students who are absolutely obsessed with each other. Uh, there's it's the student council president and his vice president, and they are absolutely crushing hard on each other, but they're both highly competitive people. And so they believe that they need to get the other person to confess their love to them first, because that will give them the upper hand Uh, in the relationship dynamic. And so the entire anime kind of plays out mostly inside of these two's heads as they concoct ridiculous scenarios to try to put the other person in to get them to confess their love to them. And it's all uh, kind of like, announced by a narrator who does oh this like gosh. very like sports announcer <laughs> voice he's like what yeah. will happen next uh. and like every episode is broken into these little battles between them and at the end of it the narrator like assigns a winner to the battle he's like today's winner nice <laughs> um it's absolutely hilarious i'm very much enjoying it so is it that's like one giving season? me a good week uh it's one season that's on hulu that was how i started watching it and then realized that there's uh two more seasons uh on funimation nice. so it got me i I jumped into Funimation. I've been watching the second season now already, um, nice. and I, I think it, they just had a movie release in February. So, like, it's it's ongoing, and yeah, oh, now wow, I've got a movie. One, oh my, God. one more thing, I've got to stay plugged into, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so oh I just wait for these two to inevitably spooch. <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: know Funimation. It's like a <laughs> gateway. Soon you're gonna have that roll subscription. I'm never gonna see you again.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'll just be gone. I'll just be gone. But we're not here today to talk about snow or anime. We are here today to talk about a different show, <laughs> HBO's The Last of Us. Huh? Uh unsurprisingly, heard of Spencer that? and I <laughs> yeah, any, anybody heard of it? It's only got like what 20 million viewers or some ridiculous <laughs> number. I don't have the numbers in front of me. A lot of people watch this show. Um Yeah, so unsurprisingly, Spencer and I are among the folks who watch the show being um, pretty big fans of the game series, Uh, not without our qualms about them, Mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. enjoyed the games a lot. And we wanted to, we figured now that the show has wrapped up, we figured we should chat about it a little bit. Um, Just to be really clear up front, this is going to be a spoiler cast, as it says in the name. So if you have not watched uh, HBO's The Last of Us, you might not want to listen to this uh, because we are going to be spoiling anything. It's fair game spoilers for anything that happens in the show. So far, as well as spoilers for the first game, The Last of Us, which is what the first season of the show covers. Um, if you're completely not in the loop at all about what the show is, um, hello, how is it under that <laughs> rock? Um, <laughs> but HBO's, and like, also like, how did you even find our podcast? Yeah. Like what, what, are, what are you thanks doing? Thanks for being here. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thanks you for being here. challenge. <laughs> did you literally just like randomly spin the wheel on your podcast app and download this today? <laughs> um, but the, the HBO's The Last of Us, the show is based on the 2013 video game of the same name which is uh, set in a post-apocalyptic United States that's been ravaged by these cannibalistic creatures, uh, infected by a mutated cordyceps fungus. And the story focuses on a hardened survivor named Joel, who's charged with bringing a 14-year-old girl who may be humanity's last hope across the country. So we're going to be talking about the show. The first season is tied to the first game. There is a second Last of Us game. We are going to not talk about that, not do future spoilers. Um, If we need to do or if we want to talk about that, we will specifically target that section of spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, But the rest of the episode, expect to be spoiled on the contents of the first game and the show. So there it is. You've been warned. You've gotten all the info here about what we're doing. Yeah. (laughs) It's your last chance to bow out if you accidentally clicked on this and didn't understand (laughs) what we were going to be doing today. All right. So, Spencer, The Last of Us. Has ended. The show has ended. I keep feeling like The Last of Us, the show, The Last of Us, the game. But we've concluded the first season of HBO's The Last of Us.
1: What did you think about the show so far? Yeah. I mean, to start, I think it's just kind of wild to, uh, like, it's been 10 years since the game came out and maybe like eight years since I played the first game. Uh, For the first time. (laughs) And um, (laughs) it's just kind of funny because I think with a lot of games, um, you know, it it might be like a 40 hour plus ordeal that you go through largely alone. Like, I mean, of course, I had you to talk to about it, but I never really had this feeling that I was experiencing a cultural phenomenon because enjoying gaming, especially at that time, was such a singular experience. So it feels kind of surreal to be like, Walking around and people like everyone's talking about it. Everyone's asking, "Oh, have you watched yeah. Last of us?" Um, like everyone, like it's such a. It reminds me of the early Game of Thrones days when it was all yep. anyone wanted to talk about. Um, so it's kind of cool to feel like I'm walking among the new adopters with all of this <laughs> knowledge in my head and uh, like can <laughs> just uh, speak to it and and kind of ex- uh, re- relive that. Experience of going through it for the first time um, through the eyes of other people. I will say a second thing that comes to mind is I love how, uh, like, I follow a lot of um, like foragers and like mushroom people like on social media and stuff, like, people who mm-hmm. like to help. Uh, identify plants or like to forage their own food. And I love seeing them complain about the about the show just because they're like <laughs> they're talking about a cordyceps fungus, but all of the uh, clickers and bloaters look like they're covered in chicken of the woods, like with a completely different mushroom. <laughs> like what's going on here? And I don't know. <laughs> That's just personally like funny for me to see. Um, I mean, it's cool to see. Uh, I mean, I mean mycology, like. Fungi, I mean, they're some of the most, like, when you think about it, powerful and resilient, like, organisms in Mm -hmm. the world. Um, Like, they're really cool. And, like, mushrooms are just, like... You can eat some of them. Some of them will fucking kill you. Some of them you cut them, and their blood is blue. Like they're just like aliens that live on our planet. And so it's just glad to cool see to them see. finally getting their due. Yeah, getting their moment in the sun. Like, except don't think that they, that not, they don't like you. that. Right?
0: They don't like the sun for the
1: most part. Right? Yeah, <laughs> their probably their don't think about mushrooms in the shade. Yeah, <laughs> in the damp and the shade. But um. No, I, I loved the show. I think um, it was a little strange for me having played the game, which, as I mentioned, is such a long, longitudinal experience. Um, it almost felt like the show, for me, it almost felt jarring how we would move from episode to episode mm. because we weren't getting those long stretches of travel like we would have in the game. And it almost felt like a sped up or truncated version of the game to me. But my like personal viewing cohort uh was me who has played the game like three times my partner who has never played the game but has watched me play it a couple times um and then two folks who are friends of ours who um have never played the game and the show was their first experience of the story Mm -hmm. and it was interesting like for my partner who'd only watched it in snippets of me playing and then for my uh two other friends who had not played the game they felt like the pacing was spot on. Like as we were Mm -hmm. watching the, the recap, it it showed like a full season recap before the last episode. And Mm -hmm. I heard them, like they were commenting like, wow, we've come so far. Like what a long journey this has been. Like we've gone through Mm -hmm. so much with these characters. And I was like, wow. I, for me, I was like, wow. That was, they really, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, But I loved it. Uh, What about you? What did you think? (laughs) Uh. I yeah. So what? Something
0: you were saying at first when you were talking about what it feels like to have so many people, um, like talking about the show now. I want st- to. Mm. I wanted to start by it. It made me remember some like the experience that I had with the first game, which is that. Uh, I I played the game pretty much right after it came out. I was already a, a Naughty Dog as the developer of the 2013 mm-hmm. game, and I was already a fan of theirs because I I had played their other game series, Uncharted, and I remember like seeing the trailer for the last of us when that came out and like, just see, it was such a departure from what they were doing with the uncharted games, which are Mm -hmm. like these pop, like pulp action games Mm -hmm. that are kind of silly and funny and light and very bright. And the main character is like humorous and kind of an Indiana Jones type, uh, sort of story. And These games were just it was like, oh, this is going to be dark and, (sighs) you know, broody and interesting and violent and the excitement for that game and then playing it. And I remember, you know, at that time I had almost no friends, like my partner played video games, but I mentioned before, like we play very different types of video games. He does not really play uh, first person experiences or like single player experiences at all. He's mostly a multiplayer guy Hmm. and I'm mostly a single player person. So... Like, we just look for different things in games. So he was into it, but not in the... Like, I didn't have anybody who was playing the game to, like, talk about the game with. And I remember I finished the game... And I was just so like, I have to fucking talk yeah. about this. Yeah. And I had a friend come over to hang out the next day. And she was not someone who played games <laughs> at all. Like, had re- you know, knew that I love games, but really had no other context for them. But I was so jazzed about it. I couldn't not. Like, I just, like, made her sit for an hour while I played <laughs> cutscenes of the games for her and, like, talked her through the story. I'm like, yeah. you have to understand why I'm so fucked up about this yeah. right now. Like, I need you to understand what this game has done to me that, like, oh, God. at that point, like. Very few games had given me an emotional experience like that, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, was, it was profound at the time that it came out. I think yeah. now for where we're at, like, I know so much more about games. I've played so many more games. I think The Last of Us just sits comfortably in a, a lot of other games that do mm-hmm. great things, like, narratively like it. But at the time, it was... Whew, it was huge. And oh, so yeah. comparing that experience that I had then, <laughs> like of like, I'm just going to have to trap somebody and force them to, listen yeah. to me talk about this because I need to talk about this with someone. And yet it's still not being like, like she was kind and she was like, yeah, I can see why you're so <laughs> into this. But it wasn't like, I totally get this and I'm right there with you, bud. Um to have that now, it just be something that's everywhere that so many people have a touch point for, yeah. and it's still different. I think there's still a difference between people who watch a show versus people who played the games. Like it is a different experience. but, man, it is it's just wild to now be here a decade later, mm. and everyone knows what this thing is that mm-hmm. I felt like I kind of loved in the back like that I quietly loved right. for a really yeah. long time exactly um so that's that's just kind of cool and weird at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Um, But I absolutely love the show. Uh, I don't think it's perfect. Nothing is. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I definitely have my complaints about it here or there. I agree with you that, like, as I was watching it, I found myself being like, oh, man, it feels like we're just rushing through things really fast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am a silly person. And so I have rewatched every episode once. Oh, wow. Um, like I would watch the episode when it aired on Sunday and then at some point in the week before the next episode, I would watch it again. Mm -hmm. And what I found for the most part is on second viewings, those pacing issues kind of went away. Like, I feel like some Mm -hmm. of that was my anticipation of what was going to happen in the episode and how it was going to play out. And then it actually plays out and it just like the expectations don't quite line up with Mm -hmm. what's actually in the show. And so I found like on second viewing, I didn't really have as many issues with the pacing and it felt it just felt better, yeah, as I was going through it a second time um but but, I think overall, this is you know we can talk a little bit later about the big question that everyone's asking, is this the best video game adaptation of all time? Um, but I think it's a pretty damn good video game yeah. adaptation. I think for something that it both it's one of the most um <sighs> accurate translations mm-hmm. of the video game text onto the screen um, while still leaning into what a medium like television can do best. Yeah, And I don't think you can deny the production value, the acting quality, the writing quality, the um, filmography or filmography, cinematography mm-hmm. of it. Um, there's so much about this that is just like a really, really well-made show. And so I think it stands on its own as a really good show. And I really... Love it because it's taking from this uh, this source material that I have a deep fondness for.
1: Yeah, like you can really feel the respect for what the source material was trying to communicate, and not that it was just trying to capitalize on whatever it is that makes games fun. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. just, oh, like let's port over this action and violence. Like it was really trying to get at the themes that the game, like it really understood what it was trying to translate, which I appreciated.
0: Yeah. And and to the extent that it actually cut out a lot of the mm. gameplay elements of the show, or in the show, there were a lot of nods to gameplay things. And and in fact, a lot of times it was played as kind of like an inside joke. I almost yeah. felt like that the show is giving me, as, as someone who'd played the game and then was watching it, little things were like, Joel moves a bookcase so that they can go through a doorway, (laughs) which is like a whole gameplay thing in the games of like hit triangle to move this obstacle (laughs) or hit triangle to push this dumpster around so Ellie can climb up on something or hit triangle to boost Ellie up on a ledge so that she can push a ladder down. Mm -hmm. Like these were moments that they gave us in the show but it always felt like this little nod to like, like wink of like "Eh, you remember doing this in the (laughs) game, don't you? Um, but things were like, you know, in the game is Joel, <laughs> you kill so many people, oh, yeah. uh, you kill so many infected, and they just really stripped a lot of that away, but that made it feel more heightened. I think that's a mistake a lot of uh adaptations of games make is to mm-hmm. try to capture the gameplay. Uh, too much, and the thing is, like when you're playing a game, there's just so much more of that action. And if you yeah. directly one to one try to translate that into live action, it just doesn't feel realistic because then Joel's just like a superhuman person mowing down <laughs> yeah. hundreds and hundreds of infected and raiders, and yeah. all the show is is brutal violence to the point where we don't feel the impact of the violent moments that are supposed to happen. That's something you can you can still have the impact in a game in a way you can't in a show if you if you show it that much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought they made a lot of smart decisions about where to make their cuts. Um, yeah. And, it, yeah, it worked really well. Um, but I think we should jump right in and talk about the thing that everyone is probably talking about <laughs> at this point. The bloater uh, in the room. <laughs> the bloater in the room. Uh, that fucking <laughs> ending. Uh what do you think of the ending of The Last of Us? This the game or the deb- show? Well, both, right? Because they're they're similar. <laughs> it's but faithful. like it is a very faithful adaptation. Yeah, let's start there. How did you think about the adaptation? Where did you um, think about the adaptation of it?
1: I think I was worried going into it because, like you mentioned, they had done a lot of sort of stripping Joel down to his making him more human, um, and just sort of like holding back a lot on the violence. And I think um, the ending of the last of us is uh, an incredibly violent and disturbing sequence mm-hmm. um, in which Joel realizing that, that Ellie is about to go into surgery um, because they hope the fireflies organization, they rescued, he rescued her or uh, that he is brought, brought if, her was to escorting like, her to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and four. And for yeah, um, that they were going are planning to sacrifice her in the name of medical science to find <laughs> to extract the the cure from her brain or attempt to at least again we, mm-hmm. we have no promise that this is actually going to work. Um, yeah. He proceeds to mass murder everyone in this hospital, including doctors and uh, just people who just anyone who's standing in his way to, as he gets to this hospital to rescue her and then lies to her um, because she was knocked out for this, about to go into surgery Uh, after he rescues her, he tells her um, that the cure didn't work um, and that the hospital was attacked by raiders and, and they just had to escape. Um, And she makes the decision whether or not to believe him. And so um, it's, I, I think in the world of the game, I remember playing it for the first time and kind of being, it took a a minute for the ending to hit me Um, because I think because you, as Joel, like you are used to killing whole slews of quote unquote bad guys, like moving through levels where you're just trying to kill any person or infected that is coming for you. Um, This last level of, okay, now I'm in a hospital. I'm going through, Um, and shooting down anyone in my way, it didn't feel too out of the norm. Um, it wasn't until the ending when, um, Joel and Ellie are face to face and, and, and she straight up asks him, like, are you telling me the truth? Like, please, if, 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 like, if anything, um, happened, that's not what you're telling me. Like, like you would, like, you're not lying to me, right? Like this actually Mm -hmm. happened, what you're saying. And he says, "Yeah, no, of course, like I'm not lying to you, and you can see in her eyes the the way she's fighting with wanting to believe Joel because he's all she has left and and um and it would break her to to think that this person who she who she loves and and is really going close to has would have taken away from her this in her, in her eyes, what is her reason for living, um, being the cure and, and saving the world, that he would just take that away from her without her consent. Um, it's, it's hard. You can see it playing across her face that, that she doesn't want to accept it. She's suspicious, but she's making the conscious choice to believe him. And she simply responds, okay. Um, it took me a long, a couple days after that, just, and I kept going back and watching that scene And it started to dawn on me that, like, actually, when you remove the fact that this is, like, an action game and and as the hero, you're supposed to kill enemies, like, what he did was kind of fucked up. Like, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, he just murdered, like, innocent people who had no idea what was even coming for them and that weren't even trying, weren't even against Joel to begin with. Um, Like, he just goes through and methodically kills all of these people um just because he doesn't want to lose Ellie um and so in the show where i feel like the violence was a lot more restrained um that choice where i mean i think pedro pascal did an incredible job in like in his demeanor seeing mm-hmm. his the way he detached himself from the situation and was just mechanically like mm-hmm. methodically going through the process of 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 shooting people um, and then getting to her and seeing um, the ways in which I'll, like his own trauma was like clouding his judgment and compelling him. I'm not saying like trauma makes you kill people. I'm just saying like, no, no, uh, I think I could see that he wasn't present in the situation. He's caught mm-hmm. up in his, um, in his own. Un, unexamined, um, pain around mm-hmm. like his daughter being taken away from him and be having no control over stopping that. Um, he, he cannot lose his daughter again. And, 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 and that has become Ellie. And, um, so I think in the show, I was struck a lot more by how horrifying it was. Um, I felt a lot more present in terms of like, being removed from Joel's perspective and kind of being like, Oh my God, how horrible would it be for someone to know someone was walking through this building and, and indiscriminately killing everyone? Like, um, I think in the context of like in our American society where, um, like shootings can be like a daily occurrence, like a lot of that just felt scary in like a very real way. Um, and, uh, it was interesting. Like the folks I was watching the show with um, people who um, were seeing this happen for the first time. I I, I just remember uh, one of my friends commenting like, um, this doesn't feel right. Like, like I I, 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 I kind of understand why Joel's doing this, but I, this doesn't feel right. This feels really bad. This feels really wrong. And it was just kind of like interesting to see that at, and again and i had another friend in the room who was like well it makes sense like what else what else should he be doing like like that's his daughter like like i would do the same thing like he's like he's he's like like this makes sense like he should be doing this and just seeing that argument which i've seen play out on hundreds mm-hmm. of reddit threads <laughs> hundreds of conversations among mm-hmm. fans of the game of like was Joel justified in his actions? Like I, the fact that that argument was happening right in front of me with people who had never played the game of like, this is fucked up and unforgivable. And on the other side, like, but what else could he do? Like he has to do this. Like that was fascinating to me. So anyway, that was a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no. I mean, it's great. And uh, I wanted to share, uh, you know, C- Craig Mason, um, who's one of the co-creators of the show. Uh, Craig Mason has, uh, Done, written and and showrun other shows, most notably Chernobyl. Um, uh, him and Neil Druckmann were the two lead creators on the show. Neil Druckmann being the writer and director of the Last of Us games as well, which I think has a lot to do with how faithful the adaptation was to the games. Um, but in an in an interview for Vulture, Craig is uh quoted talking about exactly like this debate that gets created by the ending. And and he says, we can argue about it all day long and we should good stories are not built on themes like brotherhood or anger. Those are just words. Good stories are built on arguments such as it's worth killing everyone to save the person you love. We can debate that. Um, He goes on to kind of talk about how like comparing the violence of the previous episode, episode eight in which, um, Joel is kind of torturing people to get to Ellie and save her from David versus the way people feel about the violence in episode nine and how that In Joel's mind, really, he's kind of doing the same thing, right? Episode nine, he's torturing people, though, that we kind of unequivocally see as, quote unquote, bad guys. Mm. And so it's way easier to root for Joel in that moment. But then in episode nine, when he is doing this to the Fireflies, we are, as an audience, meant to feel very conflicted suddenly, like we're no longer on Joel's side with this violence. We're meant to be like, oh... Wait, I feel a little a little more icky about this because I don't think these people are necessarily doing the wrong thing. Maybe they weren't doing it in the right re- like then the conversation becomes way more nuanced and Joel's motivations become even though we can understand them they just become way more um less defensible, right? Mm-hmm, we can understand mm-hmm. why he's doing what he's doing, but it's a lot harder to justify it in the in in episode 9 and in that finale. And I think, you know, that that debate, as you said, has been going for years, right? Like, did Joel, quote unquote, do the right thing? Um, do we understand Joel's actions? Can we defend them? I'm much more in the camp of like, I don't think it's necessarily interesting to, I think sometimes the conversation gets caught up in things like, well, is the vaccine like actually viable? Mm-hmm. Like, could they actually do this? I think the the games creators, like Neil, other folks have have said like definitively, Like within the world of the game, we are assuming that this vaccine, that it is viable and that this would actually work. Like the problem that they are trying to create is not like the question that they're trying to create is not, oh, could you actually create this vaccine? (laughs) Like that's not, you know, it kind of misses the point or maybe Mm -hmm. gets too focused in like the minutia of the world and lore building when the actual question is like, would you go this far for someone that you care about? And and should you and like, where is that line? And can you understand these actions? Can you empathize with this, even if you can't defend it? Yeah. Um, and, and feeling that level of conflict with as a as a viewer, as a in the games, a participant in what mm-hmm. Joel has done and feeling conflicted about it that way. And then sitting with that final scene of him lying to Ellie because he knows what he's done is wrong. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. I I think that really, you know, when you when it comes down to like, Oh, did Joel do the right or the wrong thing? Like Joel knows what he did is wrong. If he didn't think what he did was wrong, why would he lie to Ellie about it? He knows. Mm -hmm. He knows that it was wrong. He feels shame. I mean, he's crying in the car. I thought that, you know, that's not something that we really can see in the video game. But in Pedro Pascal's performance of of Joel in the show, like, he is teared up and emotional in the car as he's driving away. And he clearly feels shame and regret about what he's done to some extent. Yeah. But, you know, he so he lies to Ellie. He doesn't want her to know what he did. He doesn't want her to carry that. He would rather her think that it was on the Fireflies, that everything got messed up, that Raiders came... Mm -hmm. Uh, all for the sake of him getting to keep his surrogate daughter.
1: Yeah. Um, God, that's the part about him crying is I'm just thinking about that. You're right. Like, um, I, I had, I had pulled a quote from that same article, um, that you were referencing, uh, where, where Craig was being interviewed and he says, um, that Neil Druckmann, the games creator. Uh, has said that when they were testing the game, parents almost 100% of the time said, Joel did exactly what he was supposed to do. And a lot of times people who weren't parents said, he's a monster. Craig says, I'm a parent. I straddle the line. If I were in that situation, I would try really hard not to do what Joel did, but I probably would. If Joel walked away without regrets, if Joel walked away without shame, then I would say he's a monster. But as Jamie was saying, you don't lie unless you know you've done something wrong. And so I guess I'm like, does being sorry mean you're not a monster? <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess it just puts you in a different change. category. Yeah. Like, it doesn't change what he did. But I, I just think that's, a, I don't think we're going to walk away from a definitive answer with this, with a definitive yeah. answer of whether or not Joel is a monster. But it's interesting food for thought of like what separates monsters from. Humans, like, uh, yeah. like, I appreciate and can empathize with the fact that he feels this shame, but he still doesn't seem to regret what he's done. Yeah. So, does that absolve him in any way? I, I don't know if I can answer that question, but I understand him. Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> yeah. I understand. I understand his motivations. And also, his motivations are like, fucking messed up too right i think this is something that there is a degree to which the ending of the game the last of us and and even a lot of this um the development of the relationship between joel and ellie and the last of us in the game feels more like subtext in a way that the show is able to take things from the game that felt more like subtext and make them text mm-hmm. and like for example um in the game Uh, In a very similar way, Joel and Ellie get brought to the Fireflies in a situation where Joel gets knocked out, Ellie's knocked out, and they end up with the Fireflies. Something very similar happens in the show, right? They both get knocked out, they get brought to the Fireflies. In the game, it's super unclear, initially, like when you're playing as Joel in the hospital, if Ellie had woken up at all, what tests had been Mm -hmm. done on her, like what kind of stuff had happened before they jumped to this point of we're going to cut your head open and potentially kill you. Um, It's also unclear, like what Ellie thought was a little more unclear Mm -hmm. what Ellie thought was going on, right? The lead up to that, like the stuff that happens as we build towards the scene with the giraffes. Um, Ellie is quiet. Ellie Mm. is uh, acting uh, disconnected, but we don't get a scene in the game where Joel sits her down and shows the fact that he attempted suicide. Like Mm -hmm. we get in the show, we don't get those moments where it feels much more clear what she is wrestling with, which Mm -hmm. I took at least uh, from the show and, and from the game. Now, you know, looking back to whatever degree, I, I don't recall when I originally played it how much of this I was picking up on in the game at the time. But like, I don't think, you know, Ellie is wrestling with how much trauma she has gone through just on this journey, how much trauma she's gone through in her life. All the people that have died to get her to where she is now with Joel. Yeah. And is coming to, I think, terms with the fact that she may die as part of whatever is happening mm-hmm. with the Fireflies. She alludes to her and Joel's future together, but I do take it as very much a like more conciliatory measure toward towards Joel,
1: like humoring
0: as, him. Yeah, like yeah. humoring him of like, okay, and we'll have this future together. But I think she is ready to die going yeah. into the hospital with the Fireflies, and I think in the show that can be much more explicit because it is fully embodied with human actors and human performance. And we can see it in Bella Ramsey's performance in a way that, you know, for as strong as Ashley Johnson's performances as Ellie is as uh, great as the graphics are in the game, there is a level of just separation that happens yeah. there in terms of what they're able to present. Um, and so when Joel makes the decision that he makes in the show, We have no doubts that that is not what Ellie wanted Mm -hmm. in the game. They can say that. But I think the layer of like being Joel in the game makes it harder for the player to hear. Mm -hmm. There is a way in which when you are playing as Joel, you fill in his emotional narrative with your own. Yeah. And in the game, we love Ellie. Like you love Ellie. When you're playing that first game, you want Mm -hmm. to protect her and you are Joel. You are playing as Joel. You are her protector. And so it's a lot easier to set aside some of these motivations that he has that have more to do yeah. with his like the loss of his daughter and filling in your own love and protection instinct for Ellie. Yeah. And being able to like let that kind of supersede and be like it, it, I think in the game it's easier to defend Joel's actions because you are Joel. Yeah. And so Absolutely. you walk away from that. And so there's this interesting thing that's been happening in the critique of the show or in people talking about the show that I've heard where it's like they come out of the show and they're like, oh, my God, they made Joel a monster. Like, why would he behave this way? And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> that's what, like, He's literally the-, <laughs> yeah. the vast majority of the final episode, especially the final scenes, are almost shot for shot. Like, yes, almost shot for shot. That final episode, I mean, they took out things like some of the action Like, again, removing gameplay, but, like, the beats that are happening in these Mm -hmm. scenes are almost identical to what happens in the game. But suddenly folks are like, oh, man, it's really fucked up. Like, he's very clearly just, like, using her as a surrogate for his daughter that Uh he lost. (laughs) And, like, is he even seeing Ellie as her own person? And is he even, like, recognizing her own desires
1: great questions
0: and, and i was like yeah and this was in the game too this yeah. is not new they're like why did the show like it just yep. removed all of the nuance and i'm like i don't think it did i think what removes the nuance is that we're no longer joel mm-hmm. we're now seeing this from just just that layer removed and it's so much more blatant yeah how uh how like fucked up what he does is um yeah that like i, I mean in the game i because i actually i I went back and I, I had rewatched the final episode of the show last night. And I just, I was like, I'm just curious, like how much does this line up for the end of the game? Mm-hmm. And so I went and watched a YouTube video of kind of like the final few cutscenes of the game. So mm-hmm. like, Uh, Basically everything from when he walks into the the surgery room in the hospital and grabs Ellie through the end of the game. And it's fucking almost shot for shot Mm -hmm. in the show. Like the same stuff, the cutting, like him in the car driving away. And then we cut back and we show that he killed Marlene. The fact that I didn't remember in the game that like Marlene says to him, she's like, this isn't what Ellie would wanted, Mm would have wanted. And he has a beat in the game where he kind of looks at Ellie and has doubt cross his face Mm -hmm. in the game. And she's like, and you know it too. Like that stuff is explicitly in the game and they copied it into the show. And then people are like, he doesn't (laughs) (laughs) suddenly Joel doesn't like, I'm worried that Joel doesn't see Ellie as a person and that he doesn't respect her wishes. It's like, yeah, no, this has always been the one of Mm -hmm. the core issues. Right. It's like, Joel is just as much a, you know, it's like, it's why the debate, I think for me, I think it's boring to debate whether or not this vaccine was going to do anything or not. Like let's assume that it was, what he does is objectively wrong. Not just because he murders a ton of people to do it, but he's not even doing it for Ellie. He's doing Mm -hmm. it for himself. It is Mm -hmm. a completely selfish action. And whether or not that comes from a place of, of love and care for Ellie, it's, it's not what Ellie would have wanted. Um, she has the line in both the game and the show that I think Bella just delivered so beautifully. Like when they're standing on that roof of, um, there's no halfway with this. We finish what we started.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know. I think you know, watching the show again, just all these debates coming up again, it it is a lot. I think a lot of people get really uh, exhausted <laughs> by the Last of Us debate um, yeah. and the Last of Us conversation. They think there's plenty of folks who are like, okay, this game was fine, this story was fine, but why do we have to like hold this up as a pinnacle of? Mm-hmm. Game design and storytelling, and I think that it's not. I think I, I understand where people are coming from with that argument. I think even in watching the HBO series, and then we get to the little interviews at the end of the episode, and sometimes Craig and Neil will be kind of going off about, or like Craig mizzen is like, you no, know, he's been quoted many times as saying the Last of Us is the best story in video games right. ever, like yeah. full stop period. Okay. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, bud, like yeah. I can see why he feels that way. He is someone who creates. cinematic narrative so of course he's going to have the highest level of appreciation for a game that delivers that story through a cinematic narrative i don't personally think that's the peak of storytelling in games i think that's one way stories can be delivered in games and i think that naughty dog as a developer is one of the best among the folks who tell narratives in that way but i actually think that the peak of narrative in gaming uh is much more like diverse than that and is much more different than i mean because Naughty Dog's games are like games trying to be movies and TV mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like they're going for that very cinematic feel. And so, yeah, it's anyway, I understand
1: why people get annoyed by that. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. Like I think, um, in the sense that in the adaptation, in the TV adaptation, it's not exactly doing anything that I would call like mind-blowingly groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. and, and it's, the type of storytelling that I think um like moving past we're in I guess we're a little past the golden age of television I don't even know where we are anymore but like (laughs) uh, those kind of like I I think complex narratives and this kind of compelling um very human and and fallible like revealing our fallible natures is something that we've gotten quite used to as viewers in 2023 Mm -hmm. I think hearing you talk about that it reminded me of what made it so seismic for me the first time I played the game, which is just that in the trope of gaming or just what the pattern you expect playing a game is that you are the hero. You don't, you don't do anything wrong. You fix the world. You're the center of the story. Mm-hmm. And, um and this is your story. Like you've played maybe 40 hours up to this point. Um, With this character these characters you've grown to love and i think something that the last of us does really well um being that it is a video game and not a television story um i mean i guess tv does that too because you're a viewer you don't have any control (laughs) but i just feel (laughs) like um it's aware that it's a game and it reminds you as the player that you're a you're a guest in this world and these characters are not you regardless of how much you identify with them. I think I felt very much like um, I didn't want, I, I remember this feeling of, of playing that, that last sequence and not wanting uh, to continue where I remember you burst into the hotel into the hotel, the hospital room as Joel, there's a doctor in front of you like defenseless and it, it gives you a button prompt. Like you need to press square or triangle or whatever and kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there being like, but he doesn't have a gun. Like he's not like these other people who are trying to get me. He has like, a scalpel, he's, right? Yeah, just like he's in just, the show,
0: he grabs a scalpel off the table. And yeah. It's like, he's so and not a threat
1: to Joel. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, why couldn't, why couldn't you just grab Ellie and be like, like, why did you have to kill this guy? And, and I think from that point, I felt ejected out of Joel. Like I remember the jarring feeling of like, hold up, this person is separate from me. He has his own. I'm a villain right now. This is not, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. And I think mm-hmm. the way that it um just pushes you out and 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 puts you in your place and reminds you that like um I don't know, it just sort of really cemented for me that like Joel was a much more complex character than I thought. And he is damaged. I don't know. I just, I just, I think this is just bringing up for me, those feelings of like mm-hmm. how exciting and scary it was to kind of be um, reminded that these characters have their own agendas. Um, and it was like very viscerally shocking. Um mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what point I was going towards but um I guess it just with the show to like it just um I don't know sometimes you can spend years with knowing someone and then they say or do something and it kind of shocks you because you realize like I don't know you at all and mm-hmm. uh it's just kind of interesting to go through that with a main character because uh typically shows set you up to even if you don't like that character, you still kind of root for them, and this this show and this game really challenge that uh, default nature. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And I, I think some of that too, though, is like I don't think. Joel doesn't act in the game or in the show any different than I think anyone should really expect him to. Like, mm-hmm. I think everything in both of those properties builds up to this moment in the hospital. And he ag- acts exactly the way that they have set him up that you would expect him to act. But I think, what again, yeah. what happens in the game is, like, there's this degree to which when we empathize with someone, we can use that to rationalize their behavior mm. or even, um, like, excuse it. And I, I think a lot of that happens in the game as you're playing as Joel. Like it doesn't register to what degree his actions are uh, problematic, not good. Like to what degree <laughs> he's, he's like this incredibly violent and like messed up person. And I think it's, yeah, it's so jarring at that end because suddenly you're kind of faced with that realization of like the behavior that you've been excusing the whole time. And I think it does kind of come back to you. Yeah, what what Craig was kind of saying in that quote of like the way that we cheer the violence on when we feel like it's really justified and it's being applied towards like, quote unquote, bad people. Yeah. Um, but how quickly those same behaviors uh, can change, even though the motivations of the character committing them are exactly the same.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but now it's being directed in a different way. And suddenly it's like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have been kind of like rooting this on the whole time. Maybe, maybe there were issues with this. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit, you know, just kind of do some quick hits here, like holistically, uh, talking about the show and like what, what you liked about it, anything you didn't like about it. Uh, one thing I wanted to particularly shout out was the use of the the music. Like, the the show uses the same music as the game, the same composer, Gustavo Santalala, um, which I just think was such a fucking Love smart that. choice. Yeah, There's, yeah, so many moments in the show that, like, completely, like, will use the same exact musical beats that we got in the games or very similar music um, because Gustavo did, like, come through and, like, write some new stuff for the show that they used. Um, but just, like, that decision just makes it feel like such a one-to-one with the game in a way that just makes it absolutely mind-boggling why some adaptation properties don't do that. Um mm. the uncharted movie kind of jumping to mind as something that like didn't use uncharted music mm. and just like this head scratching decision that made <laughs> that movie feel like so much more of a generic yeah. just action film instead of an adaptation of a like beloved video game property. Um, the casting was so fantastic, um, Bella Ramsey yeah. and Pedro Pascal absolutely knocked it out of the park. But like, really, every actor that came through and was on this show, you can just tell that the the directing um, was really strong and the casting decisions were really strong. Yeah. Are there other things that jump out to you over the course
1: of the show that you would want to highlight? Gosh, I mean, the everything you said. Um, I was the sets were pretty fucking impressive like oh, just God, the yeah. level of detail um and even i saw a tweet from one of the game designers um talking about how um in the scene with the giraffes um actually shit let me see if i can find uh, i found it um so there's this dev named Peter Field who worked on the first Last of Us game. And mm-hmm. in the scene where Joel and Ellie stumble across a, a field um with with giraffes uh, walking around inside of them, to the right there's a like a score an old dilapidated scoreboard, because this used to be mm-hmm. a sport field of some kind and um the in the game the i think he he was um like one of the 3d artists uh so he worked on that scene and he actually named the 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 name of the field on the sign says bethany claire field after peter field's wife bethany and he put that in the game as like an easter egg and he was floored because in the show (laughs) that he compared them side by side shot for shot and they included that. It, the sign oh my was there and the sign says Bethany Claire Field. That's so it's amazing. Like, <laughs> they were really paying attention to every oh, yeah. little detail. Um, and that was just, I mean, I can't imagine being that person and being like, oh, this like inside joke I put in the game for myself. <laughs> like it literally <laughs> made it through to the adaptation. Like, um, I don't know, that that kind of stuff is just really fascinating. And, and it showed the real care and respect they had. Um, for the the people who, you know, dedicated their time to building the game. And, and also the fans who have spent years, I mean, you know, people replaying over and over again who probably are looking for details that granular and specific, um, like getting that payoff. Um, like that was really cool. Like I really did feel like the world was brought to life. Um, those little inside jokes, like the little ladder puzzle they included in the, in the reference in the last episode where um, you need to boost Ellie up and wait for her to push <laughs> a ladder down. Like, um those kinds of things felt really special. I'm hard pressed to come up with critiques. I mean, I guess, um, I, gosh, I don't know. What What are your critiques? I, I, I don't know. I,
0: um, it was well, tough. Uh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> um, some of my critiques, I, they, they are minimal or like few and far between. Um, we talked about this um, in a, like, we did, a, after the first three episodes, we did a little spoiler cast for our co-op mode um, on the on the Patreon. And we talked about the ending of episode two and kind of the choice to have that uh, um, weird zombie kiss yeah, um, happen mm-hmm. between the Infected and um, Anna Torv's, oh my god, what's the, uh, Tess, Tess character? And that was a choice that I disagreed with or like, yeah. I just, I understand. I think I understand what they were trying to accomplish with that scene, but I don't like the way that it played out. And I don't like the evoking of sexual violence imagery in that yeah. particular scene. And it didn't feel earned and it didn't feel like, I mean, it felt like it stripped away Tess's agency yeah. um, in her own death, which in the games is like a really, strong and powerful moment for her and she gets some of it, but then they kind of take it away and, and like, you know, the final, her final moments being punctuated by just abject terror Mm -hmm. on her face Mm -hmm. is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I didn't like, I didn't like that decision. We talked about that quite a bit.
1: Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, just in general, I think I felt like the way (laughs) Like, it was a very episodic thing where they would be moving on to a new setting each week. Mm -hmm. And I did feel like it was a little tough that every pretty much every secondary character would just die immediately after being introduced. Um, Yeah. And that felt a little tough. I I guess if they were being faithful to the story, I, I guess I suppose you could argue, like, if they were to change that, it wouldn't be true to the source. That being said, they were able to give Bill and Frank a beautiful <laughs> backstory. So yeah. I thought maybe like, you know, Sam and Henry, did that need to end the way it did? I, I could have seen a world where maybe they just parted ways um, and we didn't have to see that more death and and death of children. But like, I, I don't know, I, I I'm willing to be persuaded that that was necessary for the plot progression but I did feel like it was tough to just see these great characters um just introduced and then killed and then there's new people being introduced
0: <laughs> yeah I mean and I think to some degree this is a complaint that you could have a, you can have about the games too um yeah. like the, the both the games in the show it, a lot of the times use violence as like character development mm. um and and part of that is like kind of, it, I don't know. You can you can like it or, or hate it or or disagree with it, but like it's intrinsic to how they view Ellie as a character and Joel as a character. Like violence is a key part of who they are, and it's mm-hmm. a key part of their relationship. And so I understand why the story hinges on violence as an aspect of like this is how they actually develop as characters is through is through very violent moments that happen. And particularly, you know, for Ellie. A big part of her development is the people who die to service her narrative. I mm-hmm. I think that it's that's a, like a fair critique. Like characters are introduced and go away simply so that Ellie can have development. And she lists them off in the very last scene, right? She's like, Tess was, the, you know, the first one to die was Riley and then Tess and then Henry, or sorry, Sam. Mm hmm these these characters are really only here <laughs> in some ways, like, you know, from a very top level view when you're considering the fact that like writers wrote this and someone put yeah. this in the show, like all these characters really only serve to create a body count at the end of the show that can uh, speak to Ellie's trauma and who she is now at this point in her life. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think that's a flattening. I, I think there's a lot more here to appreciate and, um and, and dig into, but I understand that as kind of like a core There, there is, I don't know. It's not my favorite thing about yeah. the world of the last of us is that it's kind of built on these violent principles and the fact yeah. that like characters have to die so that other characters can develop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah, and the same thing, yeah. you know, Joel, like the loss of, uh, Sarah is a key right. piece of true. his character development. I, to some degree, like this is true about human existence. like, the people mm. we lose do like that does impact us. The traumas that we experience impact us. They make us part of who we are, but also we're more than our trauma. And I think mm. in the world of The Last of Us, like everybody is kind of the sum of the worst things that have ever happened to them and the mm-hmm. worst things that they've ever done, mm. as opposed to the other side of that coin. Damn. It's like a very grim picture of humanity.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a really great point because it does feel like. That 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 these people are uh, in the la- world of the Last of Us are the sum of their trauma, and it feels like the second game is about growing beyond that. Is that possible to do? That's what that game is asking. I think.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah. so, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely think that's a reading of it. Um, one of the one of the other complaints that I guess I would uh, there's like kind of two other things with the show that I. Didn't ruin the show for me, but I just stuck in my craw a little bit about the left behind episode mm. left behind as a is d l. c for the original game downloadable content, so it's a separate um like story thing that you can play it's not even it doesn't even play out as part of the core game. You select it separately from the menu and play it and it's incredibly moving to play as a game. Um, the first time I watched the episode, that was one of the most jarring ones that I felt from a pacing perspective. It just felt kind of slowed down and weird. And and the way they kind of bookended it with the scenes of Ellie in the cabin, I thought was odd. When I rewatched the episode, I felt way less bothered by the pacing and way more immersed in what was happening between the two characters. But I still think that that is one of those episodes that could have potentially... Like, if they had hewed a little less closely to the game, mm. that could have been enhanced. And specifically what I think might have helped the episode would be a bit more intercutting. Like, what yeah. if the episode had started with Ellie actually still in transit to the house? Like, I, I, think, I understand the, like, moment that they wanted to build to, right? Which is mm. the intercutting of Ellie making the decision to stay and try to keep Joel alive... With the conversation that she has with Riley after they're bitten and Riley makes the point of like, whether it's two minutes or two days, like we should cling on to the time that we have with the people we care about. Mm. That being like a pivotal thing that Ellie is holding on to mm-hmm. uh and that is influencing her in that scene to stay with Joel, even though he tells her to leave and to try to help him. Um But uh, yeah, I just think it needed a little more intercutting between what was happening in the mall and what yeah. was happening in real time because and I I wonder how much of that comes down to like budget even mm. <laughs> because like okay, we all we have the budget for is to just like have Pedro lay on this thing (laughs) and and, like we can shoot like two scenes in this house and that's all we can do. Like we can't show them running around the neighborhood. We can't have stuff with the horse. Like we don't have the time. We don't have the budget. Like just lay him down on a bed. He can grunt a few times and like (laughs) then she'll tear apart the house upstairs and we can't really do anything beyond that. But I feel like that could have just benefited from, from feeling like it was a little more grounded in what was happening in our current timeline. Yeah, Um, and also would have helped uh, break up the it it just felt like such a huge chunk of time was spent in the past. Yeah, um, without kind of moving through time in any real way, like because that all happens in the course of an evening, unlike Bill and Frank, where we're spending this whole time with Bill and Frank and we're not cutting back to Joel and Ellie at all, but we're still moving through time. Mm. So it still feels like we're advancing in a way. The mm. uh, left behind is it all happens in the course of an evening, and so I feel like juxtaposing this whole evening with a whole day or whatever of Ellie trying to keep Joel alive
1: could have ba- made it fit balance a little bit better for me. I I too felt some issues with the pacing there, and I and I I think um, just a bit more placement within why this was happening now at this point and understanding more about what was going on internally with Ellie at that time to trigger these memories might have helped uh, shoehorn that in a bit better. Yeah.
0: Um, The final complaint that I'll levy, and I think this is something that I don't love about the game either. Um, We should talk a little bit about your feelings on episode eight, When We Are In Need, which is the David episode. (laughs) And specifically David as a character, um, I guess really where my where my issue comes down, like I think David is one of the handful of characters we get in the game that is an out and out villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and same goes for the show. Like, I think for the most part, the show, I mean, even thinking back to like episodes four and five with the Kathleen character. Like mm. we understand her motivations, even though she is like brutally violent mm-hmm. and clearly just seeking revenge. Like we understand where she's coming from. Um But David is a predator, right? Mm-hmm. And like people like this exist in the real world for sure. I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with them saying that like someone like this could still be alive and, thriving in the apocalypse but i think both this plays out a bit more subtly i think in the game um specifically what i take issue with is like the fact that he actually tries to sexually assault ellie Mm. and at the moment that he does Mm -hmm. when the building is burning down around them Mm -hmm. it just feels like i don't know it feels like a bridge too far um And just feels like it they felt like they had to push it to that level again, using the violence to push Ellie to the point where she would brutally murder him Mm -hmm. when I feel like she had enough motivation to brutally murder him without that actively happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know if you had any feelings about David, he's he's monstrous. He's a villain. And I think that's fine. But it you're not fine in the sense of like, I think it's okay for him to be that way. But like, Mm -hmm. I think it works in the context of the show and even like him like grooming her and and being like incredibly creepy Mm -hmm. and awful. But then like, they just, they almost push it past the point of believability Mm -hmm. that this person would go quite this far in this moment.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I think for me, I've seen those kind of debates going on and it, I guess I was sort of surprised just because my interpretation of David's character um i I guess to go back a little bit, like I felt like if anything, the show version of him was a little too on the nose um mm-hmm. I felt like in the game his the 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 coming fight with him and escape from his compound it felt a lot more jarring and scary and shocking to me because i think the game did a little bit more work to sort of create that doubt in your mind of is david actually creepy or am i just on edge cuz i don't know who to trust like there's this whole scene that i i think was missing from the show where he and ellie like work together to take down some infected they like Spend the day talking and stuff while they're waiting for, um, like you'll remember in the show, he sends off someone to get medicine, they're doing this whole trade for the deer that Ellie shot, and there's just a lot more of that relationship building. Eventually you learn that, yeah, he's a terrifying cannibal and potential predator, but like, I felt like, um, it was just a lot more shocking because I wasn't sure whether to trust David versus in the show. It's like very overt. Like this guy is creepy. Like from the very first moments you interact, Elliot interacts with him on screen. You're like, oh, fuck this guy. (laughs) Um, and so if anything, it just felt very like obvious, like almost like, okay, we get it. This guy is evil. Um, it's interesting, like, f- for me, the scene where he attempts to assault her. I always thought that in the game, that's what was happening um, mm-hmm. in that last fight scene. And even it comes down to the actor who portrayed David said that he intentionally intentionally left it up for interpretation what was about to go down. Um, and I guess I felt like at that point for him, even though the building was on fire and it wasn't necessarily like like we wonder if it makes sense that that would be his motivation in that moment. I think that he was maybe blinded by his own ego and the fact that this girl had, um, you know, managed to outwit him like in in more than one instance. And at this Mm -hmm. point it wasn't even about what's rational or self-preservation. It was just the, the desire to, finally subjugate her and and quote unquote put her in her place um Mm. i think he was just completely overtaken by his humiliation and like the fact that um i don't remember in the game if she broke his fingers but in the show um she she breaks his hand and and just sort of like refuses to be afraid of him and the way that everybody else around him is and so i Mm -hmm. think he really just saw that moment as his chance to like get back at her and for me it was it was believable that um that that would consume him to the point where he'd be ignoring the fact that the building was burning down around them um that being said like um i don't disagree with the take that it was going too far for him to attempt to assault her um just for me personally it i i thought that was my interpretation of what was happening in the game so it it felt on point for me and and the fact that she literally like hatchets him to death Um, I don't know, as a sexual assault survivor, like I know that feeling of those moments where you just get completely consumed with this urge to just, I I don't know, it's all, it's all the pent up desperation and, and fear and like animalistic desire to like, like you feel like an animal in a trap, like you chew off your own leg to get away and or to get back at the—I don't know—that all-consuming, whatever it is, that energy where when she's when she's hatcheting his face to death, like yeah. I feel like I've been in that um, that that zone, uh, and I don't know what would push me there other than like assault, being sexually assaulted, or like watching someone get murdered in front of me. So I don't know. I I was I was in it with her, but that's just me. I think everyone everyone is. Uh, yeah, entitled to their own interpretation for sure.
0: <laughs> I think what you're making me realize through this conversation is that I'm probably attempting to rationalize what is like really mm. a- irrational behavior on David's part. Like I'm mm. like, what he's really going to do this while the building's burning down? <laughs> he's really going to do this? Period. Like this guy's already yeah. uh, like you know on a different level. So me trying to be like, well, why you know? D- yeah, that's it's not that's not part of the calculus for him because his calculus <laughs> looks completely different than my calculus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for, yeah, taking us to that explanation. I, th- I think your your read is is probably more correct. It was really it's really interesting to me, though, that you say that you felt that you found like the turn with David and stuff like more threatening and stuff in the in the game or in mm-hmm. like that it was more ambiguous. I actually felt the opposite. Like I thought mm. the show, um, made him feel more like the banter that he has with Ellie while they're waiting for James played by Troy Baker, who voiced Joel in, yeah. the, <laughs> in the game. Um, that banter that they have back and forth, like it felt like, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's tough because I knew from the beginning, like I did know that David was a bad guy from the beginning. So it's hard for me to like, I can't let that go. Like I know where this is headed either way, but I was kind of like, Oh look, they're kind of joking. You know, she makes the joke that oh, he so went from teacher to preacher because it fucking right. rhymes. And he's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, the way the the group follows him, but then like when you get the moment where he slaps the girl out of the chair in mm. front of everybody, and nobody stands up to him, I was kind of like, why is this group of people following him? Yeah, and and that's a level of like abuse and dominance that we don't see David enact in the, in the, uh, game. Yeah. Right. Like we don't get these moments between, because everything's from Ellie's perspective. We don't see him with his people. We don't understand how he treats his people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, I think it works because I can understand how scared people get in that situation. Um, but I think to some degree it makes him, him creepier, like smacks her out of the chair and then offers his hand. Yeah. To lift her back up. Um, The fact that he had the detail that he had been a teacher before the pandemic is like (laughs) creepy and unsettling and gross on a lot of levels. Yeah. Um, And then the, the scene between the two of them when Ellie is locked up in the in the jail cell it is a It is a scene that takes place in the game and Ellie does break his his finger in the game as well and has that iconic line of like, uh, Ellie, you know, she says that her name's Ellie and he's like, what? And he's like, tell them Ellie's the little girl who broke your fucking finger, which yeah. like Bella just delivered so well. But all that is in the game too. But in the game, I think because I had had the section of, because I'm embodying Ellie and I'm playing as Ellie and we just ran around and like fought a bunch of infected together. Like I feel tougher like ellie feels like resilient and physically capable and tough and like mm-hmm. she could take this person on be- in a way in the game that i don't think you feel in the show like mm-hmm. in the show even though we know that Ellie's like a hard ass and that she can you know take care of herself in a lot of respects there is the the physical embodiment of the characters by human actors just like Bella Ramsey is short and small. And these are like, like when they pull her like Uh, two, two moments, like when he bangs her head against the bars mm -hmm. after she breaks his finger and tries to take the keys. Like I felt like in my stomach, just like, Oh my God. Like this is an adult man grabbing a child's head and slamming it against these bars in a way that like, it was so visceral in a way that it wasn't in the game. And then When they, when him and James pull her out of the cell and just lift her, just lift her like she weighs almost nothing and slam her down on the table. Uh, I just felt the physical threat to Ellie played much more dramatically in the show for me than it did in the game. And I think part of that had to do with the fact that in the game, Ellie's fighting infected and, you know, you're running around and you're playing as her and you just, you just feel like you have a lot more agency and it feels a lot more like she's going to get out of this situation. Mm
1: -hmm. For sure. Yeah, I thought yeah, that. I hope that played she gets better. her bow and arrow in the next installment because <laughs> I missed yeah, that part. <laughs> I did.
0: Yeah, she got the deer with the the gun, which makes more sense, right? Like she takes the rifle and stuff. But but yeah, I can't wait to see her running around with a bow and arrow. Um, we should probably start to wrap this up. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you then the question that everyone's asking: Is this the best video game adaptation of all time?
1: I mean. <laughs> I can't think of another that sort of tops the attention to detail without veering into camp and the genuine respect and passion for the source and even the involvement of many folks who were in the original game or who were part of making the original game. Like It really feels like a true convergence of the two mediums and something that has its feet firmly planted in both. And so I, I do think I, I can't think of another example that that matches it. Um I do think that like it, maybe the work was a little easier because of the fact that it was a very cinematic game that was taking its own cues from like television tropes and cinematic um practices. So like, I don't know. I mean I I guess yes until <laughs> until hopefully this inspires more adaptations and we can see um like like the the medium pushed a bit more to translate um the kind of storytelling that you see in games which can be very unique and experiential. But like I don't even know like what like po- Pokemon, the movie 2000. Like that's one of my favorite movies from like, being a kid. But like I, <laughs> like, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what's, what do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a silly question. I think a lot of times when we start debating like, what's the best yeah. ever, like is a little silly, but it's fun to ask. Um, For right now, I think yes, it is. I think that something will eventually surpass it, or, you know, we're going to. I think this is opening, hopefully, opening a door to more and better video game adaptations. I think that is one of the best things that this can do. I think it has clearly shown that if you treat the subject matter seriously, like take it seriously and try to adapt it into something that actually fits the medium that you're adapting it to and is a good version of that thing. Like separate from the last of us, this is a high quality television show Mm -hmm. that would likely have been successful even without the tie to such a successful game. Um, And so it being tied to the game only enhances it rather than that being the only thing that it stands on is this tie to a popular video game. And so I think if this, uh, yeah, if this holds as a as a lesson to or, or or an example, if this if this ends up being like the shining example of what we can do with good adaptations of video games, then I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, because I think, yeah, I think it demonstrated that if your goal is to make a good movie or television show, um, and you want to pull from video games to build that world. You can do that successfully. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but the the end goal has to be to create a high quality product rather than mm-hmm. just to adapt yeah. something that's popular because it feels safe. Um I am sad to see the show end, though. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do I with know. my Sunday nights here <laughs> until we get a second season. Uh, I'll probably it so rewatch it at some point. Yeah, and I'd be lying if I said my urge to play the second game hasn't increased tenfold
1: <laughs> I since know. the
0: season ended. <laughs> I'm
1: like, I don't know if I'm ready
0: to yeah. go through that
1: again. But
0: uh huh, yeah, I've never <laughs> replayed. I've never replayed the second game. Um, it hurts. It's it's a much tougher one. I've played the first game like three or four times. Um but the second the second game is yeah.
1: All the hope is no. Sucked no future no
0: future spoilers. But yeah, it's <laughs> Oh, it's dark. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll we will find out. Tune in next time to see if yeah. <laughs> Spencer or Jamie uh get up the gumption to play Last of Us For Part real, Two. Though. <laughs> Um, But for now, time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more Pixel Therapy, come check us out at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just $2 a month, plus get opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly. If you're not up for contributing monetarily, but you enjoyed this episode, you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff is just as important and we appreciate it just as much. And you can keep up with
1: all this stuff and more by visiting our website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, This week on the theme of (laughs) of mushrooms, I I wanted to tell you all about um, an awesome Instagram account called at mushrooms for my friends, as well as a physical store called the mushroom shop, which is located in Somerville, Massachusetts, Um, and basically for over 10 years, Tyler Ackobain has been showing people how to search for and safely identify mushrooms on forest floors, tree trunks, and decomposing wood piles. Um, I've personally followed his account um, for a couple years now. um, And it's just like, I've never met, or I've never, (laughs) we've never met, but I've never seen someone just so genuinely excited and endlessly optimistic about just helping people learn more and understand more about, about mushrooms, um, especially local (laughs) ones and how they can find them, how they can cultivate them um, and just opening themselves up to different textures, different um, culinary flavors, like just different ways of thinking about food and where it comes from. Um, He had spent years um, running this account, educating people um, and even helping them source and and get mushrooms. Um, He worked in the culinary mushroom space himself. Um, And then around 2020, um, he got together um, and, and opened a physical location um, where they run um, educational workshops, um, events. They have a bunch of different um, groceries available in the store that might be hard to find. Um, typically, lots of like international uh, imports uh, and, and flavors. Um, That I think people in the greater Boston area would really appreciate as a break from, uh, I mean, at least for me, it it, it can be really hard if you're of some kind of ethnic minority, quote unquote, to like find the things you need. And he works hard to really um, help people diversify their palates um, and just learn about mushrooms and share that joy. Um, So would love for people in the area or even far away to check out their Instagram account. That's at mushrooms for my friends. Um, Or if you're in Massachusetts, um, check out the mushroom shop in Somerville, MA.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for that side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more. Pixel! Pixel. Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>